So we're continuing our journey through John's gospel, and we have, as you've found already, we have reached chapter six today. And uh, today we're going to take these two stories uh, together, the ones that we've just read. They are two very well-known stories, uh, stories that feature high on the fuzzy felt greatest hits chart. I'm mentioning fuzzy felts for two reasons. One, because as time goes on, it's increasingly dangerous that fuzzy felts are going to go out of the, the common understanding of what they are. And we need to hold on to the glory of the fuzzy felt chart. Anyone grow up in Sunday school with the fuzzy felt chart? Yes. Well, the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking in the water were two of the big hits there. The second reason I'm highlighting fuzzy felts is because of this little tweet dialogue which happened last week. So there's a gentleman by the name of Jared Stacey. I don't know who he is. He's a PhD candidate in Aberdeen. And he said, I was today years old when I found out some Christians in the UK call flannel graphs fuzzy felts. And honestly, it's the best. And then, so you, I, I don't know why he's called himself, all owls are superb, but if you can see after that, this is Topher. Remember our dear friend Topher, who's back in the US now. Topher said, how did I not know this? To which Naomi, our very own Naomi, jumped on and said, jumping on this one, your education in Scotland was evidently not completed. I always have to take a moment to remember what a flannel graph is because it was fuzzy felt all the way. So just in case you were here and you had no idea what a fuzzy felt is, now you know and you know what Topher missed out on, you have not missed out on. So there we go. We can get rid of that. You see what you're missing out on if you're not on Twitter? You know, highbrow, deep, thoughtful, profound engagement like that. Dear me. Uh, Let's get back to the Bible. Um, I actually preached on this passage, the first part, the feeding of the 5,000 plus. Um, It was my first sermon back. Uh, after my time away on sabbatical last year. Um, but don't worry, I'm not going to repeat that message because obviously all of you will remember every single point that I made at the start of August 2021, right? Um, so what we're doing today is to try and, I love that joke, don't I? I, I we're going to try and zoom out a little bit and look at these stories together. And, you know, truthfully, it's not that difficult for us, I don't think, to try and understand what is the point of these two stories as as they're laid out here in John's gospel. What are these two remarkable stories all about? Well, I think most strikingly, I think most fundamentally, you'd have to say that these miracles are a display of the power of God. The power of God is what we're thinking about this morning. Feeding over 5,000, that was just the men, remember, so well over 5,000 people with a tiny packed lunch. Walking on water. These are displays of the amazing power of God. Now, one of the ways that that is communicated to us in this passage is in how understated it all is. In both of the stories, there's no particular big build-up to this moment. There's no commentary from John specifically in this passage itself. We're going to look at a sort of broader commentary that he makes on, on this later, but in these particular accounts, there's no commentary from John as to why Jesus did what he did. So if we think about the first story, the miraculous feeding of this huge crowd, there is barely even any comment as to the reaction of the crowd. No amazement is recorded. No awe is noted down. And actually, 
Uh, this is the only miracle that is in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as well as John. And actually, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the reaction is even more understated. Uh, there, uh, it, you know, at least in John, we get a note here in verse 14, where it says, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. So the, the crowd here, as noted in John's gospel, have recognized something special in what Jesus has done. But in all the other gospels, it just says, they ate and were satisfied. And then it goes on. I mean, what? This incredible miracle. And all the notes of the reaction in the crowd, they ate and were satisfied. And, and a few people said, this must be that prophet. Dear me. There's not even any detail as to how this actually happened. So let's read verse 11 of chapter 6. It says, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets, and, and on it goes. I mean, all it says here is that in the distribution of the bread and the fish, that the crowd had as much as they wanted. And I, I want to know, maybe some of you want to know, how did this happen? How did this happen? Like, was there one moment where five loaves and two small little pickled fish, that's likely what the style of fish it would have been, was there one moment where they multiplied into thousands times over? Or was it the case that as Jesus, you know, in John, interestingly, in the other Gospels, it says the disciples distributed the food. John here records that Jesus did, so I'm guessing they all did. But maybe as Jesus put his hand into the basket to hand the loaf to someone, as he was doing that, perhaps another loaf appeared in the basket so that he just could keep handing them out to everyone as he went. I mean, I want to know more detail than that. Did, it, did this loaf morph, like out of nowhere, just appear uh, or did it come from another loaf? Did it like divide up like cells dividing that sort of image? Or perhaps it was instantaneously baked from dough uh, as Jesus just put a piece of dough in, in the basket and then made sure that it was exactly the right temperature for a super fast baking of bread. I particularly like that idea because I love the smell of baking bread. And imagine thousands of little loaves of bread being baked in that moment. It would smell awesome. Hopefully, we'd cover up the smell of the pickled fish, right? Um, you know, I, the point is, we don't know how this happened because why? The passage doesn't tell us. And in this, friends we see a glimpse of the power of Jesus. I think the point is this. This is no big deal for Jesus. This is no hardship. This is no difficult task, hard work for him. It's no strain on his resources to multiply a small lunch for thousands of people. Power. And it's the same with the following story, the walking on water. Again there, it's so understated. Look at verse 18. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. I mean, at least here, we get a little note 
with a reference to the fear of the disciples. But as for walking on the sea, no details. And again, I'm left wondering, did each little bit of the sea become firm as Jesus went to put his foot down on that? Or was it a bigger area around it? Was it a path that became firm as he walked toward them? Or, or maybe the water didn't become firm at all. Maybe it was just that Jesus defied gravity in his power enough so that he didn't sink into the water in that moment. I'm left wondering, did Jesus have to navigate the choppy waters? It says the sea was fierce and, and, and rough. So I'm wondering, did Jesus like have to climb over the waves uh, on his way to see the disciples, or, or did each part become perfectly calm as he made his way towards them? I'm wondering, what was Jesus' demeanor as he walked towards his followers? Was he, was he smiling, happy to see them? Were his steps like normal ones that he would have made as he was strolling along the path at any other time, or were they special, hey, I'm walking on water steps? You know, there's a different way there, right, that you can walk. And I reckon if I was walking on water, I would want to be like, yeah, look, you know, whatever. And Jesus was not sinfully proud as, I, proud as I am. So I'm sure that was But, you know, how, what was the way that he was walking? Again, we don't know. We don't know. All that we know is that where every other human being would sink into the stormy water, Jesus walks along towards his disciples. And the point of all this is clear. Behold the power of God displayed here in these miracles of his son, the Lord Jesus. Behold the power of God. Now, do you hear the drip too? I'm just checking it's not going on the, on the keyboard because <laughs> that would be bad. It's not. It's not going on the plug either, is it? Ah, yeah. Uh, if you come in here during the week when there's a rainstorm, you'll find four or five pots out on the stage. It's, yeah, that's a story for another time. We'll maybe get to that at the church forum, but it's hard figuring out where this roof is leaking. The point is behold the power of God. Now, here's the thing. We're not just to behold today. I love what Dan said at the start. He said, you know, we, we respond to what God is doing. We hear the voice of God and we respond. And here, we behold the power of God and then we are to respond. Because though it's true that there is no immediate context given as to why Jesus did these things, as I said, we can zoom out a little bit further and we can know that we do have a reason stated in the scriptures as to why these stories are recorded. John tells us. Please turn to John chapter, some of you know it, what chapter? Someone shout it. 20. John chapter 20, because we've read these verses a number of times, we're probably going to read them even more uh, towards the end of our, as we go through John's gospel, because it's such a helpful couple of verses in why are we looking at this and what's the point of this for us? John chapter 20, verse 30, tells us why these things happened. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Do you remember the other verse, I think in chapter 21, where he says, you know, if all of them were recorded, even the whole world could not contain the number of books it would take. So Jesus did many other signs, which are not written in this book, but... These are written, including John chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000, the walking of war. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, 
and that by believing you may have life in his name. These stories are told so that we would believe that Jesus is not just any other human being, but that he is the son of God and that through that believing, through that act of believing, you would have life in him, life in Christ. So I think probably the most urgent question this morning is this. Do you believe Jesus did this? In John chapter 6, do you believe that he was able to feed thousands of people? Do you believe that he walked on the water? Do you believe that what is recorded in John chapter 6 is true? Do you, don't worry about the drips, <laughs> okay? Maybe they're bothering me more than you, but we're going to put those away for the rest of our message, okay? Do you believe that the power of God is so great that multiplying food and walking over waves is no struggle for the Son of God. I mean, do you believe that this is what Jesus has always done? Remember Colossians chapter one says this, by him, by Christ, through Christ, all things were created. All things were created through him and for him. Everything we see, do you believe and hold on to the fact that this is what Jesus is still doing? Do you remember Hebrews chapter one where it says he upholds the universe today by the word of his power? Do you believe that this is what Jesus will always do again and again and again in the future? Revelation 21, the former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne, that is the same Jesus of John chapter six said, behold, I am making all things new. Eternity is gonna be this beautiful, endless cycle of the creative power of God for us to behold and to enjoy and to respond to. May we do that this morning. Let's not wait. May we behold the power of God, the power of Jesus. Today is a special day for us in the life of this church. This is our Hillview replant anniversary. So on the 4th of September, 2011, we had our first ever Sunday as Hillview Community Church after a launch day the day before. And as we, I think, rightly always underline, you know, yes, we celebrate and give thanks to God for what he has done over decades in the, in the life of this church through International Baptist Church and then in Hillview. But this is a special day, the 4th of September. And I, I wonder how you reflect on the 11 years so far of Hillview Community Church. Thanks, Kathy. These are, <laughs> as is highlighted on the stage, 11 years of ups and downs, some struggles along the way, right, in the life of the church. Some struggles for sure, and not just in terms of our church reality together, but also for those of us as individuals. And, and, and we think of ups and downs, and for some of us, we maybe look over the last days, weeks, months, years, and we We've had some mild highs and mild lows, but I am very well aware that for others in the church, there have been devastating drops and struggles along the way. As we think about that story, the story of our life together as the family of God in Hillview, there are lots of ways we could begin telling the story of what God has been up to in the life of this church. I think for all of us, one way that we could testify to God's work over the last years would be to list the ways that we have seen the power of God at work 
among us. The power of God. And I just want to share a few of them with you just now. I mentioned earlier Steve's membership. I have to tell you, it was just so encouraging, so uplifting, truly awesome for Mike and I to to meet with Steve this week and hear of the amazing power of God, the power of God at work in Steve's life, the forgiveness and the freedom that he knew and was with the help of the Holy Spirit seeking to live in more and more, the fresh revelation of who God is that he'd been given, fresh hunger that he had to know God's word and so on. I mean, there were so many wonderful things to hear of of what God is doing in Steve's life. Still loads to be worked out, just as there's loads to be worked out in my life and in your life. But just awesome to see God's power at work. And how many other stories could we think of, dear friends, of lives that have been changed by God's power? And let me say this. There is nothing more amazing than that, by the way. Nothing more amazing than that evidence of God's power. There is little, little more genuinely awesome than food multiplying and water being walked on. But God taking messed up sinners like me and like us and welcoming us into his family is the most incredible display of the awesome power of God. Listen to Colossians 2 uh, verse 12. It says, you were buried with Christ in baptism. I think that's a reference just like Ephesians 2 verse 1 that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And Colossians 2 goes on like this. You were, you were buried with Christ in your baptism. You were also raised with him through faith in what? In the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So this most ultimate display of the power of God, the raising of Jesus to new life can be seen in Steve's life and in my life and in your life if you're trusting and holding on to Jesus. This is the miracle that we should pray for more than any other in the life of this church. And I have to say, Dan heads up our sort of prayer ministry in the church, and he led a brilliant prayer meeting last Sunday night. I just encourage you, last Sunday of every month is either an evening of worship and prayer or a prayer meeting. Come along. And one of the things I love about the way Dan leads prayer meetings is he always includes a prayer for revival. Let's pray for revival. And he also also says tens, hundreds, thousands of people would come to know Jesus. Yes! Yes, let's pray like that, that the power of God would be seen in multiple more Steve Buckins and me and you and and, and just what God is doing in broken, sinful people like us, his power raising us to life, not just making bad people a little bit better, but making dead people alive by the grace and power of Jesus Christ. We should be praying more and more for that to be the case. But we also see God's power in other ways. Other ways, I mean, I, I, I didn't know that Dan was going to mention this, but his testimony about Youth Alpha, it's just awesome. Walking in here to the prayer meeting last night, there was a crazy obstacle course or something outside that Matthew had set up. Did anyone get injured? Nope. Phew. No one got injured. But four, almost 40 young people, 10 there by invitation. How many are here in this room right now by invitation? I don't think anyone's here by my invitation this last week. 
And just amazing just to see what God is doing, magnitude and serving in multiple ways in the church and bringing people along to hear about the good news of Jesus, just incredible. We can celebrate God's power in that, just like we can celebrate his power in the Holiday Bible Club. A a wonderful few days of ministry and joy sharing God with young kids and such a precious, young, vibrant team full of zeal and passion for Jesus. We can see God's power at work in new ministry chapters beginning. I I, I love to just sometimes look over the history of of Hillview, and there's various markers that are significant moments. Following the replant, there there was a period of stability and I think tidying up, getting our house in order a little bit. And, and then following that, there was the launch of key ministries like small groups, which we were hearing about so encouragingly today. Thank you, Billy and uh, Elaine and Sh- Shona uh, for sharing just so powerfully about the, 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 the blessing of small groups. And then there was the launch of Alpha. And there was the launch of women's ministry, work days, and, and so on. And we could just name so many. And, and before long, it was time for Contour Community Church to be birthed. What a gift of God. And now Contour Community Church is is growing. And still God's ministry here at Hillview is unfolding. I think increasingly I'm speaking to people who are testifying that there's a fresh excitement, a sense of a new chapter, a new day for what God is doing here at Hillview. Praise God for his power at work. Even in the church just recently, people with a heart to help others in managing their finances in this cap money course, the ladies' Bible study, they don't just do movie nights. They do deep, intense Bible study where they're looking at, I think, 40 scriptures to ignite your faith. Why? What are they doing that for? Because the women of this church want to trust in and see the results of the power of God. And then just in, in people's lives, some, some of our ministry in this church happens centrally in various ministries that we gather together to do, but a lot of it, the majority of it, I would say, happens just Monday to Saturday in your street, in your home, in your family, in your community, in your workplace. We just hear of people's heart for refugees growing in the church, for fostering, and for endless care for those who are in need which barely anyone but God sees. The cards written, the meals delivered, the prayers prayed, the counseling done, the coffees had, and so on. We've seen God's power at work in bringing healing and wholeness. We have heard testimonies of his miraculous power at work. Lynn's out just now. But I remember Lynn Moore standing right here just a few years ago and sharing of God's healing and sustaining power over Kala's life, especially with her hearing, where she'd had a remarkable test result that week and we'd been praying and God did this incredible work and they discharged Kala from that part of her care. Just absolutely unbelievable and so precious. Now, here's the question. Does that always happen? No. Are there many among us still needing God's healing? Yes. Are there some from our family who have had to see loved ones fall asleep in Christ Jesus, awaiting that final and full, perfect healing for all eternity on that last day? Yes. 
But even in that, even in the struggles of why have I not been healed? Why am I still struggling with this? Even in that, friends, we have seen God's power at work, his sustaining power, his power shaping lives that they might trust him through the deepest difficulties of life to testify to God's goodness despite real pain. I uh, want to let you know that the elders recently received just such a lovely testimony of thanksgiving from Matthew Milne. Um, He shared it with us. He was reflecting on 10 years that he'd spent uh, of his time here at Hillview. And uh, those are 10 years which, as many of us know, but perhaps not all, include some huge struggles, not least the very sudden loss of his dad just over four years ago. And just let me, with Matthew's permission, read an excerpt of what he shared in that testimony. I remember playing guitar for the first time in the worship band and fumbling the notes, yet I was held by God. I remember putting on a pink apron to help with the food for the Alpha course. I remember weeping to the song, Never Once. I remember my dad asking me how to pray. He told me he didn't know what to say, so he had just been saying the Lord's Prayer. Humbled, I told him that was more than enough. I remember dad's baptism, him feeling unworthy and uncertain, yet throwing his arms up in acceptance and triumph. Later, Matthew concludes, finally, I remember my father shouting out for the Holy Spirit's fire in an equip meeting. I only want to echo what he said, more of you, Holy Spirit, more of you, Father, more of you, Jesus. That's the power of God at work that shapes a young man in his 20s such that he can thank God for God's goodness even in the face of such heartache. It's also the power of God, by the way, which maybe you're feeling not able to share a testimony like that right now. But I want you to know the power of God is at work in your life and keeping you connected with a glimmer of faith to hold on to, keeping you connected to him and to his people despite questions, doubts, disappointments. That's the power of God. And it's the power of God, friends, that inspires people towards radical generosity, radical forgiveness, radical capacity to extend grace and kindness and to bear with one another, even the annoying people like me. This is the power of God at work among us. May we desire more and more to behold his work among us. Now, just as we close, I want to flag a couple of things about this prayer for God's power to be seen. The first thing is this. He often draws us into his powerful work. I don't think any of Jesus' disciples or any of the crowd there that day expected Jesus to do what he did, but look at how he draws others in. Look at verse 5. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Steve Taylor was helpfully flagging 
to me that when you look at John chapter 1, we see that Philip was from Bethsaida, which is right near where they were when this story took place. So Jesus is here asking the local guy, hey, local boy, where are we going to get food for this crowd? Look at verse 6, how Jesus is drawing people in. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus knew what he was going to do, but he wanted to engage his followers in what was going on here. And then Andrew is drawn into the work. He, he just ventures the merest of possible options. Look at verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Now, there's a lesson for us here as we think about the power of God, even with all his questions, doubts. Jesus responds to Andrew's suggestion. Andrew is part of this great work of God. The point is this, God can use even our stumbling, unsure questions and offerings. What work are you desiring for God to do today? And how might you engage with that? Even if you just feel you don't have much to offer Him, though your faith may be small, He draws you in. And then finally, let us not forget that the little boy himself is drawn into this great work of God. Small though his offering was, it was all that he had. He would have, if it hadn't been for this story, been quite happy with his little packed lunch while the blood sugar of everyone around about him was plummeting. But he offers to Jesus what he has, and Jesus does something incredible. Will you, as you think about your engagement in the work of God in this world, will will you stay at a distance, comfortable with your own little packed lunch of a life, near Jesus and near enough to see what's going on, but, but, but not uncomfortably so, comfortable in your own circumstance, or are you ready and willing to be drawn into the amazing work of God? The boy didn't have a grand plan. He was just available and, and same for us, right? We do not need a grand plan. We just need to be available. God will do his work in and through us, and that'll be amazing. And then finally, as we come to communion now, let's make sure that we desire Jesus, not just his power. In the first half of our passage, the crowds were very struck by the powerful work that Jesus was doing. It says, I don't mean necessarily just in in John chapter 6, but so far to this point they were struck. Because listen to what it says in verse 2. A large crowd was following Jesus. Why? Because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And we see the same thing towards the end of the passage here. When the people saw the sign that he had done. So they see that Jesus is performing these miracles and they, they want, as a result of that, to make him their king. But Jesus won't have it. Verse 15, he withdrew again himself to the mountain. You see, they didn't want Jesus. They just wanted the awesome stuff that Jesus could do, the stuff that would serve their agenda. And friends, that is not how we are to live. The passion of our hearts must always be Jesus himself, not just the pursuit of great things that he might do among us. We see the importance of this in the close of our passage in the dark night of the the stormy sea. Look at verse 19. It says there, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. 
But he said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Again, no huge explanation here or commentary on the miracle, including, by the way, immediately returning to shore. The key thing is Jesus' statement to them that they would know, do not fear. It's I, it's me. I'm here. Don't be afraid. You are safe because I am here. They were glad to take him into the boat. And then it's just like, it's almost like the rest of it's irrelevant. Jesus is here. We're safe. We're home. End of account. The point is not the signs. The point is not the power in and of itself. Let's not chase after, you know, power in in a vacuum. Let's chase after the Lord Jesus and what he will do among us. The point is not the power, but only to the extent that, that that those powerful acts display the true wonder of who Christ is, the Son of God, so that by believing, we might have life in his name. So we come to Jesus now through this very special time of communion. And we have an opportunity to remember in a very special way his body given for us, his blood shed for us. You're going to hear a lot more about that uh, next week in the coming passage which Colin is sharing. But here we, we can acknowledge this morning in a special way God's presence among us by his spirit as we take this bread and this juice into our bodies And don't worry, Aileen, I'm not going to forget. I forgot last time, but I want you to know that there is a gluten-free loaf (laughs) at the back. And take that as a a monthly reality, okay? So if I forget again, you know that right there at the back, there's a gluten-free loaf for any who need it. And and actually, that's that's about more than just a gluten-free offering. The point is of that, we don't want anyone to miss out on this time. So let me more fundamentally say, I want to invite any and all of you who love the Lord Jesus as your Savior to come to this time. We come and we renounce the sin in our lives. We remember that our old selves have died with Christ. And we receive that fresh assurance today that we are alive in Christ through the working of his power that raised Christ from the dead. So as we share in this time, let's remember his great power, what he's done, what he is doing, what he will do, even using us as part of that work. But more than anything today, friends, let us desire Jesus today and let us hear him say to us, don't fear, it's me, I'm here with you. Let's put our trust in him. Let's pray. Father, we're humbled and amazed at what you are doing among us. Lord, we're thankful that your kingdom is coming here on earth as it is in heaven. We're thankful for what you're doing in many other churches around Aberdeen today and indeed around the world as your people gather 
for this very special purpose of lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ, giving you your hallelujah. And Lord, we're thankful that all of that is possible only because of, but certainly we can be sure it's possible because of the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for giving us your Son. Thank you for the offering up of his flesh, for the shedding of his blood, for the forgiveness of sins. May we come now to this time and just with grateful hearts receive again of your grace and remind ourselves of your presence here among us in this very special way. We open our lives and our hearts to you in this time and we pray, God, be at work even now, melting hard hearts, comforting broken spirits, giving us hope and vision for the future by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.